And welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Chad. <laughs> A little bit tired there? <laughs> Need some more coffee? No. Nah. Okay. This week, we are starting one of our series. And that is the Missing 411 series. And I'm excited about this because I got to do all the research and I did do it and I did really good. <laughs> so, we ready to start? Amy had her own fangirl experience on herself. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got to fan out on themselves every once in a while. All right. The Missing 411 is a book series written and self-published by David Pilates. A former police officer who now spends his time researching Bigfoot as well as, exam- as well as examining strange disappearances around the national parks and elsewhere. The Missing 411 series consists of 10 books and two documentary series. The books include Missing 411, Eastern United States, Unexplained Disappearances of North Americans that Have Never Been Solved. Missing 411, Western United States and Canada, Unexplained Disappearances of North Americans that have never been solved. Missing 411, North America and Beyond. Missing 411, The Devil's in the Detail. Missing 411, A Sobering Coincidence. Missing 411, Hunters. Whoa. Missing 411, Off the Grid. Whoa. Missing 411, Law. Missing 411, Canada. And Missing 411, Montana, which was released in 2020. Whoa, just for like one entire state? Oh, yeah. There are certain states that could. Montana is like one giant state park. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there. I guess that there's like thousands of these. Oh yeah, there's each book has probably a thousand cases in it, at least. Um, for this series, at least for the first part of this series, I'm using three of these books: Missing Fun, for, Missing Four One One North America and Beyond, Missing Four One One Devils in the Detail, and Missing Four One One Off the Grid. Uh, that is until I'm able to get my hands on the rest of the series. There is only one place you can buy them for less than eighty plus dollars per book, and it's really hard, and the site that you can get them on is a very hard site to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, Chad was able to figure it out and get me these books for Christmas. Um, yeah, it, I went to go buy uh, the Hunters and Sobering uh, coincidences. Yeah. And I couldn't even figure out how to purchase them. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. It, it, t- it took like four tries <laughs> on my phone. Trying to, they're finally like, screw this. Log on the computer. Is it like an Angel Fire website? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's like a labor of love type it's, website. Yes, it it, is. The website is owned by a small... It is, it is Pilates Bigfoot, Bigfoot organization. organization yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And currently they're closed down because his son, unfortunately, recently passed last week. Oh, um, and it all I know is it said due to mental health, so I'm assuming suicide or something or overdose or something like that, um, which is really sad. And I'm well, and his son was actually the director of the documentaries or producer on the documentaries. Oh, David oh. and family, yeah, you know, our hearts are out with you, our Definitely. prayers and uh. Positive energy are going your way. Yeah. Not that you listen to our episodes, but no, just he in might case. Know, but someone I mean, he might know might yeah. not. You know. We lost a nephew to the same thing. Yep. So I, we understand completely um, the, the pain and the 
everything that goes on with that. So we yeah, definitely reach out to him. I guess it was two weeks ago. Now they're recording. So when this releases, it'll be three weeks ago, but yeah. recently, um, which is also probably why I couldn't quite figure out the website. <laughs> um, they may have had purchasing turned off. Because yeah, of could that. have been too, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I was not able to purchase them yet, but I have planned to purchase them in groups of three. <laughs> um, they're not that expensive. I think they're like twenty five bucks. Yeah, twenty five so, bucks through his website. Yeah, so. through their website. Now you go on Amazon to look for these. They're eighty five. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, <laughs> and those are used copies. Yeah. Um. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about the book series, or you want to purchase these books for yourself. It's www.missing411.com, and that'll take you to the website to purchase the books. Now, is there a dash oh, yes. between Sorry. missing and 411? Yes, it's www.missing-411.com. Which I'm sure you your could, browser will redirect yeah. you. You can also just search missing411 and Google or Yahoo, yeah. and it'll be the first one that pulls up. I like how we're explaining how to use Google search. <laughs> so you hit the icon on your desktop. <laughs> I've taken that computer class. Um, Click start. Hit Go the power button to... on your oh, yeah, power. Yeah. Make sure your PC is plugged in. <laughs> Make sure the monitor is connected to the PC. Yeah, I took that class. Um, I think I skipped like four or five days of that class. I can tell we actually got into actually working <laughs> on the program. Having the computer on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a child of the 90s. I do understand computers. I, I get it. I know I know that there are great generations that still don't understand this concept, but I, I got this, so I don't need that. <laughs> no child left behind. <laughs> now, according to... The Follow <laughs> us on our other podcast, Unearthing PC. <laughs> <laughs> How to how to listen to a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, and we teach you how to listen to a podcast. Oh, because there's definitely a generation that doesn't get that either. Uh, it, I was part of that generation for a little while myself. Unearthing so. aging. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to the website, this journey with the books began when Pilates was talking to a national park ranger, and the ranger told him that over the years he'd been involved in numerous search and rescue operations in several different national parks. Were they looking for a picnic basket? <laughs> hey, oh, boo-boo. And he noticed a trend that he couldn't understand. The ranger explained that during the first seven to ten days of a disappearance, he would witness massive search and rescue activity and significant press coverage. Following the first week-long effort, there was almost an immediately halt to the coverage and searches would be called off for the victims. With no explanation for the search from the search authorities. Now I can get it with the news because the news has to deliver the hottest news to get the advertisements. But that is odd that the search would just be called off. And also in that there is no national database for missing persons in parks. Really? So there you can find them on websites, but there's not like a national database for it. Interesting. And there are thousands of people missing. I say when random people have to start a database because the government won't. Yeah, and it would take nothing to do this. And that's kind of what Pilates is trying to get them to do is just start a database. What did we find out? That they had been keeping information since like the 1700s? On weather, yeah. On weather. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They won't do it on missing persons in national parks. 
Now, this bothered David enough that he began asking questions, yet he got no answers. So he conducted his own research and found some shocking discoveries. People of all ages have been disappearing from national parks and forests at an alarming rate, all under very similar circumstances. Victims' families are left without closure, and park services refuse to follow up or key up any sort of national list or database of the missing persons. And there are thousands, I repeat, thousands, probably tens of thousands of missing people in national parks. Instinct told David that, that there was more to this story, so he devoted six years to investigating missing people in rural areas. He was able to identify 52 geogra geographical clusters of missing people in North America. These clusters form the base for his missing 411 books. Stories have been featured on several primetime newscasts, as well as hundreds of radio stations across the country, not to mention podcasts. I couldn't even tell you where I first heard about the missing 411 books and David Pilates, but I'm pretty sure it was in a documentary or true crime series many years ago. And ever since I have heard of this and the attachment to national parks has been something I've been drawn to. We have actually covered a couple of these cases in our missing persons episodes in the past, and we may eventually cover some of those again as well. I think I remember a few of these that there was one with the Jared in I think it was Arizona where they found the skull cap and the shoes that didn't look yeah. like they'd been out in the weather for decades. And then then there was a child in the 60s, I believe. That's the one. Oh, yeah, oh, that yeah. is the one. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's actually featured in one of the first documentary. Um, and the documentaries are really good and they are on Hulu if you want to watch them. Hmm. Um, I only watched the first one. I haven't watched the second one yet, but really interesting stuff there have been all kinds of theories have been presented about these cases from aliens to bigfoot to top secret government experiments and cover-ups or just unfortunate coincidences personally i have my favorites of these theories but i'll let you listeners decide for yourself calling it now government cover-up of government sex trafficking all right, Q. <laughs> um, I'm going to call it right now and say ultra-terrestrials. What's the word for lizardmen? Interterrestrials? <laughs> <laughs> the the fey folk. Hey, come over here and check this out. <laughs> Puckwudgies. It's all Puckwudgies. Mir. 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 Hey, listen. <clears throat> to our listeners, I did tell Dave and Chad that they needed to be funny for this episode because I'm going to get a really dark and sad cases. I've got 13 cases, 11 of which are children. Mm -hmm. And not all of them have bad outcomes, but there are some really sad cases. That's what we get for letting so. kids play Zelda. But they let a little <laughs> fairy, let them teach them to walk around on their own in the woods. So we're not being callous. We're just following the orders of our producer. <laughs> yes, because we don't want you guys all crying. Now, with thousands going missing every year, what does it take for them to be considered part of the missing 411? Because there is a criteria. A lot of the victims have disabilities of some kind, whether it be a physical disability or a mental disability. Many of them have those. Or they are highly intellectual. Doctors, scientists, things of that nature. Hunters, adventurers. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I don't know. They shouldn't be able to get themselves lost. They should yeah. know their way out. But... I don't know if this fits, but sometimes highly intellectual people have like um, Asperger's. 
yeah. or form of autism. But yes, a lot of intelligent, highly intelligent people have a mental disability. Yeah, or something. some form of autism. I mean that that is not uncommon. It's not not normally something that people realize because yeah. it's usually a high functioning yeah. form of it. But but what you mean by high intellectual is a lot of these people should know the basics of yeah. Some of these are survivalists. Yeah, and hunters that are out in these woods on like a weekly, daily basis. Some yeah. of them are joggers that have jogged. That in this same park trails for a hundred times. Yeah. Another common factor between these cases, canines. The person disappears with their dog or dogs and or tracking dogs can't or won't find a trail. Oh, wow. That's really peculiar. Um, they're also always found near creeks, rivers, waters, or swamps and in national parks. Like I said before, they're in the 59 clusters in the North Americas. They're also often found in boulder fields or disappear near boulder fields in the mountains or with water in 200 miles or less. They are often found with berries in their system or near berries, especially huckleberries. Um, the missing cannot remember the incident. Uh, they are usually, f- if they're found alive, they're either semi-conscious or unconscious. And they're either missing clothing or shoes. They usually disappear in the afternoon. 4 p.m. seems to be like the standard time for them to go missing. They're found in previously searched locations. So it could even have been searched five or six times. And they don't find anything. And then they just show up in those locations. Wow, this is kind of sounding a lot like the Glitch in the Matrix stuff we Mm -hmm. covered a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, Weather is often associated with the disappearances. Not with the disappearance itself, but during the, the search, search and rescue. the search and rescue. Um, and then there's he's he started some subcategories in the later books with hunters, joggers, and hikers. Um, like we said, with those people who are often more, in the woods, that they this still happens to them. More experienced woodsmen. Mm-hmm. Also, when it comes to children, many of the children who go missing are found alive or deceased in locations that are far beyond the search area. Um, Many of these children are found 7 to 100 miles away when they were last seen just two to four days before. Where, I mean, normal foot traffic wouldn't really get a child that far. They're also found in extremely high elevations for these. So, like in 1993, there was a three-year-old who was found at a 1,350 feet up the side of a mountain. Oh, wow. Now, remember that these children are often missing shoes and clothing as well. And having a four-year-old and a nine-year-old, it's hard for me to imagine either of them traveling 100 miles in two days, let alone up a mountain. I can say say, it's hard for me to see them walk out the door with all their clothes on and shoes on and (laughs) by themselves. I think they would have a hard time doing seven miles in a day. (laughs) Yeah. I'd have issues doing seven miles <laughs> in a day. Now, my four-year-old son, I think, would be able to go further than my nine-year-old. But still, that seems to be a bit far for him to go without shoes. Plus, they're going to get tired, and they're going to be scared, which will also slow their speed down a little as well. And, I mean, what's the chances they're even going to go in a straight line? Yeah. I mean, they could wander around for seven hours and go in a bunch of circles and be a mile away. Yeah. So... That's that's really and a odd. lot of these places are thickly brushed. Yeah, you know where searchers have a hard time getting in there to look. 
Um, yeah, and that's the exact point I'm trying to make. There's rarely straight lines in the woods. Yeah. You usually wind up making circles if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Now, with all of this established, we're going to start digging into some cases. Uh, we're going to start in the Oklahoma, or in Oklahoma and Arkansas because, well, we have a little bit more personal knowledge of these areas as well as visited a few of these locations ourselves. Now, of the 59 North American clusters, this is actually lo- this cluster is actually located on the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas, which is why I've grouped those two together. There's actually a cluster right there. Um, the first one we're going to start with, this is Jackie Landreth. Uh, we'll start with Jackie Landreth. He went missing on December 3rd, 1939, in the afternoon in the Kayamichi Mountains of Oklahoma. Jackie was three years old at the time of the disappearance. In 1939, the small community of Cloudy, Oklahoma, did not have roads or general public access. It was a rural spot where people rode horseback to get to. Cloudy is located about 20 miles west of the Arkansas border in the Kayamichi Mountains. And the the Landreth family have lived in the community for 10 months. When they were, when on one afternoon... On December 3rd, Jackie was playing in the yard with his pet kitten and his little brother. Apparently, the cat ran out of the gate and Jackie ran after it, but never came back. Jackie's parents called, for the, called the community for assistance in finding their son. He wasn't answering their calls. Over 500 people from the surrounding communities responded to look for the boy, including the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, the Boy Scouts, and the WPA, and WPA workers and the CCC youth were in the mountains calling for the boys. Jackie's parents were interviewed about his disappearance on December 7th in an article in the Ada Weekly. And they had this statement from the mom and dad that Jackie, of what Jackie thought about living in the mountains. The mountains were strange and fearful to the child. He never became accustomed to them or the towering trees which surrounded his home. Does this sound like a child who would just run off into the woods to go away from home? No, not particularly. Especially a three-year-old. On December 5th, a searcher on horseback discovered the body of young Jackie Landreth, about five miles from the residence. According to the Ada Weekly, Sam Thompson, member of the posse which had searched the forests and canyons in the wild, remote section of southeastern Oklahoma for 48 hours rode his horse over the boy's body, which was hanging by the heels on a wire fence, and physicians said that the boy had apparently died, had apparently been dead since Monday afternoon. So the day he went missing, he was able to travel five miles. Five miles is a very long way for a three-year-old to travel, especially in the rugged terrain of the Kayamichi Mountains. The coroner determined that Jackie had died the same afternoon he disappeared. So not only did he travel five miles, he did it in a very short amount of time. The Kaimichi Mountains are known for strange events and are known to be a Bigfoot hotspot. So they have the Bigfoot uh, <coughs> festival down there every year. In Hobo, yeah. In Hobo, yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, Dave, the kids, and I traveled down this way a few years ago. And although it's a beautiful location, yes, the mountains are covered in tall trees and brush. And from the road, it's hard to see too far into the trees. For a small child who seemed to be scared of the mountains, it seems a little out of the norm for him just to run into the woods. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's a beautiful place, but I mean, it's it's a lot of uphill. It's even a hard drive to make. 
because of how oh, yeah. high the mountains because you drive into the mountains and you can't see around bends and yeah. I mean it's beautiful. In fact, when we were there, I was like, I can't believe this is in Oklahoma. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been there in a long time, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah it is <clears throat> thick, thick yeah. with trees. Oh, yeah. And brush and... Yeah. And trust me, I searched because I was looking for Bigfoot when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was riding as passenger, so that's majority of what I was doing. Yeah, and you can't see very far into those trees in the Kayamichis. And then grabbing the blanket that Kylie kept dropping. <laughs> yep, but it was a fun trip. That was very fun. Still thinking five miles for a three. Five miles. I don't see really a three-year-old. I don't. I cannot see a three-year-old traveling five miles. Yeah, up mountains. Just on a flat land, I couldn't yeah. see a three-year-old traveling. Well, that five would be miles. what from here to mom's. And how did he wind up hanging by his heels on a wire fence? I'm guessing a wire fence is like a barbed wire fence. That would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, it so, would make sense if he crawl. I was trying to climb over it. But and a three-year-old would climb through it. Yeah, that's true. They would or just climb uh, under it. Yeah. Or at least a foot yeah, off the ground. There's yeah. gaps in a fence. I yeah. don't know. Maybe they meant wire fence like a... Well, I mean, why would anybody put up like a chain link fence? Well, say, out the 30s. there, I'm saying yeah. out yeah. there it would have been barbed wire. I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, he, you, yeah, you're right. They, he would have gone underneath it or through one of the openings. Yeah. It's an interesting story, and it's a very sad story because that's a three-year-old who lost his life. I wish I knew, like, what kind of if he had any markings or. Yeah, being thirty-nine, there's not a whole lot of detail on that. Back then, yeah, yeah. Because you could think maybe an animal or something carrying him, carrying him, and then he got caught on the fence, and the animal just left him. Heard the heard the uh, horse coming or something, and. But I mean, the horse didn't come till. Well, no, but I'm two just days saying, later. Uh, yeah, three days later. Yeah, that one's. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for coroners to determine how long a body's been dead. Yeah, yeah they're just going by the body temperature. They yeah. go by like body temperature and like stomach contents, but and rigor mortis and all that stuff. Which but. you gotta think. But that thing changes drastically with weather, with yeah. individual. I mean, when you're in a survival situation, your metabolism just naturally lowers, especially yeah. if you're in a stressful situation. I'm still just thinking for a three-year-old, <laughs> though, like, I don't know. Yeah, that To me, that sounds the like he either had to have been for me. taken by someone or something, which, like you said, that is a very big Bigfoot area. Yeah. And, I mean, you got mountain lions down there. You've got... You know, bobcats, you're going to have panthers, panthers bears, um, wolves, coyotes. I'd but. say Baloo took them out there for. <laughs> you say, I say you're talking about berries in their stomach and everything, and instantly I'm like, the bare, bare necessities, necessities of, of life. life will come to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. All right. And the next one we have is Glenn Pierce. Glenn Pierce went missing at noon on December 18th, 1940. Please tell me that Glenn Pierce is older than three. Uh, he's four. Oh, God. And well, you got your wish. <laughs> Eva, Oklahoma, at the age of four. Eva, Oklahoma, is located in the Panhandle, which is in the northwest part of the state. Now, this area is outside of the Oklahoma-Arkansas cluster, but the reason it made into Pilates' list is due to the distance traveled by the child and the amount of time he was missing. Mr. and Mrs. Kirby Pierce owned a homestead to 24, 24 miles northwest of Ava. Eva. Eva. It's Eva. Not Eva. Eva. 
At, and at noon on October 18th, 1949, their four-year-old son vanished with his dog. And the very rural, and there, this was a very rural area without traffic. The idea that someone could have driven by and abducted Glenn was not part of the equation. On October 19th, 1940, an article in the Armadillo Daily News detailed the search. Neighbors searched all or quote neighbors searched all afternoon for the boy, and at nightfall, at nightfall, more than 500 men from Guyman, Goodwill, Texoma, and Eva joined the search. The boy f- was found unharmed by Luke uh. Messenger. <laughs> after midnight in a shack about 12 miles west of the home. Reports said that he had traveled 12 miles in 12 hours. After Glenn was found, he said he had seen snakes and chased cows and had gone to sleep, meaning he traveled faster than a mile per hour. He said he slept next to his dog. Glenn was found in good condition. So we're probably talking six hours. He traveled 12 miles. Maybe. Yeah, if he slept and then he slept, he chased cat or cows, cows and snakes. That I couldn't make that. Mm. No, even running because he's gonna get tired. Yeah. Well, he's not running a straight line yeah. either. Now the northwestern part of Oklahoma is a little flatter in that sense because it's more of our deserty area. No, you still have plateaus and. I used to do a lot of walking because I never had a car or anything. This is back when I was younger. And I mean, I got to where I could walk a mile in 15 minutes. Yeah. But I mean, that's a phenomenal feat for a four year old. Yeah. I was saying, not knowing where you're going, just wondering that far in 12 hours. He happened to have just happened to have just found a shack. You know, Mm. like. I'm going to say those, like, it makes sense if you know where you're going, like, walking, like Dave was talking about, like, if I knew if I was walking from here to mom's, I know which way I'm going, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get, yeah, I can I could probably make walk it at five here. miles in an hour, maybe. I could probably make it from here to mom's, yeah, in an hour, two hours, maybe three if I get super tired. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but that's knowing where I'm going with clear <laughs> pathways. Yeah, that's not, walking sidewalks and streets. And oh, yeah. Not like walking on concrete. Not chasing cows and being chased by snakes and... Yeah, and taking a nap and... Yeah. And going through around and over fences and... Yeah. yeah. So that's why that one made it into the list, was just the sheer distance that he traveled. Uh, here's our first adult. We have Moses Fitzpatrick. Moses Fitzpatrick was missing, went missing August 3rd, 2010. At 2.30 p.m. at Falls Creek Baptist Church Camp in Davis, Oklahoma, at the age of 20. Isn't that the church camp you went to? It sure yep. is. I've been oh. there as well. And he went missing, disappearing in an area that I did spend quite a bit of time. Um, Falls Creek Baptist Church Camp is located in the rural area outside of Davis, Oklahoma. This camp is known for hosting a special annual gathering of Native Americans every summer. The Baptist Church sponsors the camp and daily activities, including worship services, daily hikes, and meals. This location is located near Turner Falls in the Arbuckle Mountains. Um, there are creeks and large boulder fields scattered throughout the camp. Moses was a resident of Kansas and traveled with his family to the annual Native American gathering at the camp. 
His family stated that Moses didn't like the outdoors or the forest, but decided to go and participate with family members. On August 3rd, Moses was hiking the trails with his family when they decided to take a different way back to the camp. Moses wasn't at dinner, and the family members believed that he might be sleeping in his cabin. When he didn't arrive for worship services after dinner, his relatives contacted security at the camp. At 10.30 p.m., a full-scale search was underway. So, so let me get this straight. He was hiking with his family, and him and his family returned, and then he went missing? No, his family decided to go a different way than he was going. Okay, okay. So they, they took a different path. I see. On August 5th, an article in the Ardmorite had these details. Quote, searchers are scoring the terrain at Falls Creek Baptist Church camp for, 20, for a 20-year-old male who disappeared from the area Tuesday. Davis Police Chief Danny Cooper said Moses Fitzpatrick from Wichita, Kansas, was reported last seen around 2.30 p.m. near the area called the Devil's Bathtub. The Davis Chief rallied searchers from Davis Police, fire, police and Fire Departments, Murray County Sheriff, and Emergency Management, and firefighters throughout Murray County. And the Highway Patrol flew air support. On May 6, searchers found Moses about two miles from the camp. Various reports indicated that he was found in a very rough area. The article from the News, News Oklahoma on January 5th revealed these details about the case. Quote, State medical examiners investigate, investigators were not able to determine the cause of death of the Falls Creek camper whose body was found after he was missing four days, end quote. The coroner stated that there were no wounds on the body and in an odd twist claimed they found alcohol in the body but didn't know if he had been drinking or if it arose from the decomposition process. To add to the strangeness of the case, canines that were brought in to search were not able to pick up his scent even they knew, though they knew exactly where he'd last been. Now, I've been to Falls Creek. I spent a week at Falls Creek. Me too. Um, I've been to the Devil's Bathtub. When we were there, it was during this was this was in 2010. Here, I was there probably around 80 or 80, 70. No, jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness. 90? 97, 98 ish. Yeah. Um. We were having a massive drought that year, so a lot of the creeks were dried up. But the Devil's Bathtub is basically a waterfall, and we weren't allowed to get in the water. Uh, in fact, if we slipped on a slippery stone and our foot hit the water, we were yelled at to get out of the water because there had been multiple drownings in the Devil's Bathtub in previous weeks and years. I say it, oh. when it when it is full of water and everything, like when I went down there, which would have been 2000... One or two, maybe. Uh, I mean, walking around it, it, it is very slippery. It is. It's co- all the rocks are covered in algae and water, and mm-hmm. it, it's very possible he could have been walking around it, slipped, and fell in. But there's always but, lifeguards on duty. Well, I mean, not all the time. Um, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, this di- we went during a church camp. True. During this, they probably just... Probably didn't have as many campers. Yeah. But still, I mean, if he slipped and fell, but that wouldn't explain him... Showing up two miles away, yeah, with no cuts or bruises or yeah, you get cuts and bruises just walking through the woods, yeah. And the, also the thing with Falls Creek 
is the paths are very well marked well, and they're the, clear. They're graveled and yeah, like it's. So when I went in 2001, I mean, all the pathways were. They're lined with like lined with uh, wood, like uh, uh, landscape timbers, landscape timbers, and graveled, and, or concreted in a lot of areas. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> marked with signs and clear, like cleared away so you can see everything yeah. and around I mean, you. Falls Creek is a nice camp. Like when they're talking cabins, we're still talking two story. Yeah. A, like apartment buildings. <laughs> like they're, they, ours had a balcony and. See, ours was a one story, but I mean, you're still looking at it. I guess technically it was two. The bedroom, the guy for where I stayed, it was harder to explain. It's two story, but like the ground's raised up to mm-hmm. the main. What would be like the first store or the, the road. second story would be look like it's the main story, and it went down, and yeah. our bunks were on the bottom. But yeah, I mean, the building. I mean, they have their own convenience store. Yeah, convenience stores. There, there's the Tabernacle, which is this giant auditorium, basically, yeah. and they've redone it since we were there. And it's nice and air conditioned and everything now. <laughs> so they say cabins, but they're more like condos than yeah. like yeah. bungalows. Yeah, and I mean they're not like super deep, like furnished or anything. Yeah. Like we slept in bunk beds and. But yeah. still, I mean, like it's there's showers. There should toilets, be a nice enough area that yeah, it's not like he was just out camping in the camping woods. in the woods. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think. I mean, there's all the hiking, off all the hiking too. trails they would let you go, like you're allowed to go on. Like I said. It could be different for this festival than when we were there. But, I mean, every path is marked. There's not really this hiking trails for you to go hike off into the woods. Yeah. So, so far what I'm noticing is people that kind of let their guard down, yeah. either from age and inexperience or because the area is kind of so nice, they don't think they need to... Yeah. Pay close yeah. attention. Now, the Arbuckle Mountains are very rocky mountains. <coughs> it's not like the Kaimichis that have the trees and everything. <coughs> yeah. There's actually very few trees throughout the Arbuckles. I mean, you, yeah. there are trees, but it's not See, heavily forested. Of, I can think of causes of death, but I still can't think of how he would have ended up two yeah. miles away. And alcohol, it's a Baptist church <coughs> camp. You don't drink when you're a Baptist. Well, once again, yeah. But, I mean, I was thinking like, the alcohol... I could see if he was dead for two days, that possible whatever he ate, yeah, fermented in his stomach and everything. Mm-hmm. But like I could think of, you know, there are a lot of rattlesnakes down in that area, yeah. So like he could have been bit by one of those, but it's still. You would think they would be able to determine that. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense for him to make two miles away from camp. Like I said, for when I was there, everything is marked. They have like. The, they have signs on the pass, so make sure you know where you're going. It's not like they would have just gone out hiking. I mean, I guess unless they went off the camp and just hiked but the mountains. But he doesn't like the woods or he doesn't like yeah. the outdoors, so I wouldn't see him wanting to go off into the trees. It really throws me off that he wouldn't have gone with his family. Yeah. Since he doesn't know the area and everything. I don't know. That, that one just that one's really weird. But I did like that one because I had been there, and I can like picture mm-hmm. the area that they're talking about and... Oh, God, I remember constantly, get out of the water, get out of the water. Like, literally, my tip of my toe hit the water because I slipped on the slippery rock. I'm not <laughs> in the water. <laughs> it's a beautiful area. And, I mean, I guess there are trees, but it's not, it's not like. 
It's not as heavily wooded as it's the, not densely forested. Yeah, the areas of southeast yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, it's definitely more of a rocky mountain range than a yeah a forested rock a mountain range. No, no tall. I mean, tallest trees you're looking at maybe ten feet. Yeah, like that. There's the well in the sulfur area of the Arbuckles. That's the um, uh, Chickasaw National Forest or National Park. Yeah. I guess you get like, and that that's 20, a wooded area. Yeah. But on the other side, towards I mean, especially towards, towards Fa- Turner, Turner Falls, Falls it's a lot of like mountain. But then it would plateau off. Yeah. But it was a lot of rocky areas. I, I mean, just, I haven't been to that side as often. I'm more. I've always always been on the other side of yeah. 35. But <laughs> I just don't see how. Once again, all these cases, I just flabbergast me. Yeah. Used a big word there, on <laughs> on the distances that the people have traveled. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, two miles, two miles for a twenty year old uh, isn't isn't, ex- isn't much. Yeah, but just I can't see. I mean, even if he was to get lost, if you're on fall on the campsite or the Falls Creek site, I mean, there's fences along the border. Yeah, it's completely to keep off. you in. And if there, when I was there, they were all chain link fences. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a barbed wire fence they just crawled through to yeah. get out. So you would think he would have turned around. Oh, I hit it, found a fence. But okay, well, this isn't the right way. Yeah. Let me walk back on the path that's here. But And Falls Creek is very secluded. It's not... It. There is an exit off the interstate that says Falls Creek Church Camp. But it's still quite a ways from the interstate. Yeah. So it's not like there's a whole lot of outside the camp traffic near it. Yeah. There's nothing else there. It's just the camp. So it's an interesting case. And <coughs> I mean, just they weren't able to determine the cause of death in 2010. That's yeah. It's really peculiar. Yeah. Yeah. Our next case is Pearl Turner. Pearl Turner went missing October 19th, 1923 at noon in the mountains of Waldron, Arkansas. At the age of three years old, the Turners lived in the White Oaks Mountains, White Oak Mountains, also known as the Ozarks, on the outskirts of Waldron, Arkansas. This region is thick with vegetation, and the Devil's Den State Park is just twenty miles from the Turner residence. Liam Turner is Pearl's father, and operated a small farm on the family's property. On October 19th, the family had just finished their lunch and Mr. Turner was headed back into the field to complete his work. When about this time, Mrs. Turner realized their three-year-old daughter couldn't be found. After an extensive search in the area around the residence, she went into the field and her husband and the entire family were now searching. After several hours, they failed to find Pearl. The family called local law enforcement for assistance. Ben Allen, ben Allen was the sheriff of Scott County and led the efforts to locate the small girl. The area was on the fringe of the White Mountains in a region with hundreds of small bodies of water. After a week of searching, Sheriff Allen stated that he felt the girl might have been kidnapped. He also, or he ordered that every residence within 12 miles of the Turner for, farm be searched. It took several days of searching but every citizen within 12 miles of the Turner farm had their residence and property inspected. Nothing of evidentiary value was found. 
There were criminals located and warrants issued for other charges, but nothing related to Pearl. November, a report came to the sheriff where a girl in Oklahoma had been found and bore a remarkable resemblance to Pearl. The sheriff sent a list of scars and the law to the law other law enforcement agency, and unbelievably, the scars matched. The Turners took a trip to Oklahoma with high hopes of identifying their daughter. It didn't happen. The girl they witnessed was not their daughter, but did look a lot like her. Sheriff Allen continued his quest to find Pearl and searched the mountains and areas for over three weeks. The farm was just eight miles from the Oklahoma border and searches did extend into the area. Still nothing was found. News articles, news articles appeared in the paper until January of 1924. That's when information stopped following or stopped flowing. It appeared that everyone had given up the search for Pearl. She was never found. So that one's hard to come up with since she was never found. But yeah, still, so I one mean, thing is, if they found a girl that had matching scars, I mean, I guess you would think the family would know their daughter yeah. if they saw their daughter. But at the same time, what's the coincidence of finding a girl that looks just like your daughter? Just like your daughter with matching scars. But a three year old also doesn't have a whole lot of scars. Three year old's going to have like head scars from learning to walk, things like that. Um, yeah, I guess maybe in 23, maybe like like a smallpox shot scar or something. I don't know uh, how young they gave those shots. But um, I keep seeing this pattern with like the devil's den and the devil's bathtub. Well, and that's the, what the devil in the details book is. Devil's it's back. All locations. It's, oh, it's all locations that have devil in the name of. Pretty much. That's really interesting. Um, one thing I did find interesting, <clears throat> when I was doing the research... When a child goes missing, they have a certain, like, I think it's like 12 miles is as far as they will yeah. search because that's about as far as they feel a child will get. But we're talking a farm, so it's going to be pretty flat land, I'm sure, at the, the certain points, but for her to just completely disappear. Well, if the family had just had lunch... Obviously, she had to have been there for that, or they would have noticed she was missing. Yeah. Before then, where could she have gone? Exactly. Like, See, it's just weird stuff like that. And like I said, this is the border between Oklahoma and Texas. Or sorry, Oklahoma and Arkansas, which is highly Bigfoot area. I mean, so. I guess she maybe could have. Her dad went off to the field, and she's like, "Oh, I gotta give dad something," and. Gone to chase Gone after to her chase dad. after him and then just disappeared. But now we did loot. We lost you in a highly grassed area <laughs> yeah. for a while. That was terrifying. So yeah, we lost you in tall grass. Yeah, but we would call Chad. We found you by your voice. Yeah, <laughs> so I was loud. I was screaming. Yeah, you were freaking out. I was terrified. And then I was telling David, it wasn't like grass. It was. I don't it was know. brush. Yeah, it was tall. I mean, it was. It was taller than I was at 13. It's a, it was probably so, six foot tall. Yeah. Brush and grass and weeds. And and I at one point saw my dad on a hill. So I just went running directly towards him and was running through it. Just broke using my arms and pushing the grass and stuff away. And I made it to a point where it was like a deer den or something like that where it, all the brush had been pushed together. And like I just ran into a wall. Like I jumped into it like pushing forward. And hit it and fell, and then got up and being I was like seven maybe six or seven, 
I had lost what direction I was going and couldn't find my way out. But see, even then, if you would have traveled four miles in any direction, yeah, you would have found a road. You would have found the alfalfa field that would have been low cut. Yeah, You would have found the other road or you would have found the oil. Yeah, Barrick. Derek, Derek yeah. yeah. So eventually, unless you just went in a circle, yeah. you would eventually found an out. That's a really good point with that because the way land was divided up in this country, everybody was given, a, was it 640 acres? Particularly in Oklahoma during the land run. Pretty much a one mile by one mile square of land. Yeah. So you go a mile in any direction, you're going to be on somebody's land. There's going to be something there. Yeah. There's going to be a cabin. There's going to be a... A road or... Something, A gravel road, a barn. I mean, anything. Yeah. I mean, even way back here in the 20s. And this was when you were like seven, six or seven. But yeah, if we called... As a four-year-old at that point, one, I would have never been let wander around by myself. Yeah. Even with our dad, who was very carefree, old style that way. But... uh, Well, we could hear you crying. Yeah. And I mean, this is minutes after you get lost, which is what it seems like a lot of these things are minutes and seconds after they disappear. Yeah. We could hear you crying. We could hear your voice. So we just started going towards your voice. We'd holler at you. You know, and yeah. you'd respond, and we just move towards your voice. I, I, s- I found it particularly interesting that Sheriff Allen said, fuck the United States Constitution. We're searching everybody. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I actually like that. Like, yeah. I was like, huh, I wonder how many... Uh, For a missing child, I would almost be completely fine with that. Yeah. You know? I'd be okay with it. I wonder how many kidnapped kids you would find oh yeah if you did that within days of or like within the day or two of a disappearance well they they did say that they found a lot of criminals and and issued a lot of warrants (laughs) for searches now this next case ties into that one um maritha yarbrough 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 and sons yarbrough and sons Um, Maritha Yarborough went missing March 26, 1930, at noon in Waldron, Arkansas, at the age of three years old. The similarities in this case to the case of Pearl Turner are interesting. Waldron is a very small city close to the Oklahoma border, and as mentioned before, there are hundreds of small bodies of water and a few mountain ranges. On March 23rd, around noon, Maritha was playing in a barn close to her home with her three brothers. So this would have been about seven years after yes. Pearl's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Okay. The brothers walked off and headed towards the home, and the younger girl trailed behind. Once the boys started looking for her for lunch, she couldn't be found. Searches from the, searchers from the community started coverage, of, coverage on the Yarborough property on March 27th. Oh, and... And on March 27th, an article in the Hope Star had this statement regarding the feelings of the searchers. Quote, whether she was lost or kidnapped remains a mystery, end quote. Various articles state that between 250 and 300 searchers looked for the girl for the first afternoon. 
That day, the rescue efforts could not locate any evidence of the girl being in the area. Slowly, searchers started to venture further and further from the property. On March 27th at noon, two searchers located Maritha eight miles from the home on the summit of Pilot Mountain. She was wearing just a dress, no shoes, was alive, and in very good condition. No other information could be found on that case. How many days later? Sorry, I kind of... The next day. Yeah, the next day. The 27th. So she went missing on the 26th. She was found the next day. Eight miles. Eight miles away. Up at the summit of a mountain. No shoes. No shoes. Wearing a dress. Perfect condition. Also, I would think a kid would go downhill and not uphill. So, So, I mean, even you got to think in Oklahoma, I mean, our mountains aren't super tall. And I could see an older kid or an adult going, well, if I can get to the top of this, I can see where where I'm going, where I'm going, where I came from, where I'm supposed to be going. But she was how old? Three? Three. She's not going to know that. No. And she's barefoot. And it doesn't matter. I mean, unless there's a road all the way to the top, I don't see a three-year-old just walking to the top of a mountain. Yeah. Because she's going to have to climb. So the next day, it was the next day, eight hey, miles. Hey, hey, hold on. Uh, That's Pilot Mountain. I mean, it's, it's it looks like an Oklahoma mountain. It is a big hill. Okay, yeah, yeah. this one's elevation is like 750 yeah. feet. But it's still a heck of a steep climb for a three-year-old. Yeah. Looks kind of like a booby on the land. <laughs> mm. It's like a zit. Yeah. <laughs> but she was found alive in a good condition, but still no shoes. Overnight, three-year-old, eight miles. Now, on January, or sorry, on June sixteenth, nineteen forty-six, another child, eight-year-old Catherine Van Alst, went missing from the Devil's Den State Park. She was found six days later, just twenty miles from the Turner family farm, which is where Pearl Turner went missing. Catherine's story is in Missing Four One One Eastern United States, which I don't have, um, but it was mentioned in. North America and beyond just because it was so closely related to the Pearl Turner case and the um, um, Maritha Yarborough case. Just the location and everything. Um, Do you know if she was found? Or? I, she was found. Okay. I think. Yeah, she was found 20 miles six days later. I don't know if she was alive or not. I don't have that information. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah. If she was. That wasn't in there. If she was found or discovered. It says found, so I'm going to assume that she was alive. We're going to go with that because that's a happier outcome. (laughs) When I get that book, I'll let you know. Now, so that's three cases in the same area, all young girls that disappeared and were found. Well, one wasn't found, but the other ones were found miles away. Now, Barbara Sue Jones. Barbara Sue Jones went missing November 25th, 1953 from Marianne, Arkansas at the age of 22 months. Barbara Ann lived, or Barbara, sorry, Barbara Sue lived 17 miles southeast of Marianne on a rural farm surrounded by swamps and marshes. The property is located near the Mississippi border and very close to the Mississippi to, or to the Mississippi and White River and the White River National Wildlife Refuge. There are hundreds of small bodies of water just west of the property, and the area near the Jones property was known for superb duck, hunt, duck hunting. On November 17th, 1953, 
Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Jones moved their seven children to the rural farm. Sometime during the day on the 25th, of the day of the 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, Barbara Sue was playing in the yard when she disappeared. The family conducted a brief search, then called the authorities. The Lee County Sheriff's Office took charge of the rescue efforts, and Sheriff C.S. Langston was the commander. Almost immediately, he made a call to the National Guard for assistance, and 400 police officers, National Guardmen, and volunteers searched the surrounding areas of the Jones Farm. Three days after Barbara Sue vanished, one of the sheriff's commanders gave his feelings about their efforts in the November 28th article in the Camden News, which read, quote, Sheriff Deputy Sheriff, uh, Chief Deputy Sheriff H. Smith and a, and a search failed to undercover any trace of the child, and it seemed useless to go over the territory again. He said it would be impossible for the child to have wandered out of the area co- area covered in the search. The search has covered all of the water surrounding the farm, and the sheriff did not believe the child could have gotten through the bogs at her age and size. The, sher- the search continued for another two days, and the sheriff made a statement to the Camden News on November 30th. I've never been up against a case like this, said Langston. He said that he had no reason to suspect foul play, but the routine investigation, er, but that routine investigation of this angle is being conducted. After 10 days of formal and informal searches, the effort to find Barbara Sue was terminated. After the search stopped, a work crew was on a piece of land four miles from the Joneses' property near an abandoned 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 logging road when they found a diaper. On December 4th, 1953, Mr. Jones went to the scene to confirm that the diaper was the same type worn by his daughter. A secondary investigation or a secondary intensive search was again started at this new location. Hours later, Mr. Jones and two other searchers found Barbara Sue's body in a wooded section. An autopsy of the girl's body showed that she had died of starvation and exposure four to five days after she disappeared. Interesting information from Politis. From Politis, he spoke with many medical examiners who said that most people can live 10 days without food. They just needed water. Barbara Sue was surrounded by water. But I'll point out, she was 22 or twenty-two months old. She wasn't even two. So she probably didn't know that she needed water. I don't know. Once again, I don't see a 22-year-old, 22-year-old, 22-month-old. Traveling. Traveling. Eight miles. Eight miles. Eight miles. I barely Ten. see it. I wouldn't expect to see them go more than a couple blocks. Yeah. She's barely walking. Yeah. At 22 months, she hadn't been walking long if she's and So all, she's you know, falling over a yeah. lot. And but she did die four to five days, but still four to five days, 22 months. If the search party, I don't know, but they also didn't go outside the bog. If they would have gone outside well, the bog. I'd, I'd, once again, she's barely walking. And she swam through a bog. A bog, yeah. She was a hell of an athlete <laughs> at 22 months. It's very sad. That one's really sad. Yeah. That one really got to me when I was reading that one. But that one almost feels like she had, was picked up. And she hadn't been taken, like to get that yeah. far away. I don't know. I mean, 
It is Oklahoma, or Arkansas area, and we do have some like huge turkey vultures and stuff. And yeah, at twenty two months, she possibly could have been picked up and, and carried and carried off. And then you know got too heavy for with a bird or whatever and fell, or she moved and fell, and then kind of just crawled to where she could and yeah, possible she kind of got wooded area and just crawled into an area and sat there and cried and yeah. I don't, like, away, to th- I don't like to think too much about the end times for yeah, the little ones. Yeah, but that one, that's the only thing I can think of a way for her to get that far other than... I think that's being- the hardest part for these cases for me is just imagining what the child went through. Yeah. So that's that's why I needed you guys to be the humor for this episode because there's a lot of that. And let me see here. My next case. We have a death. Oh, yeah. This one lives, so we're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, 22 months old, eight miles away, through a bar, uh, a marsh, through a marsh, bog area. It's pretty, yeah, she had to have been carried by something. Yeah. Or someone. Agreed. All right, next case. It's a happier ending. Joan Treese, uh, Joan Marie Treese went missing April 14th, 1954, around 1 p.m. in Mountain from Mountain Home, Arkansas, at the age of three years old. The incident occurred on the outskirts of Mountain Home, adjacent to Nor- Lake Norfolk in northwestern Arkansas. The lake is a large, meandering body of water that stretches into Missouri, just five miles north. On April 14th, three-year-old Joan was staying with her uncle while her mom looked for property nearby. She was playing in the yard when she disappeared at approximately 1 p.m., the yard and surrounding areas was searched, and then the call was made for additional assistance. Almost immediately after Joan vanished, heavy rain hit the area around the lake and made searching difficult. The, ste- that's the, steam. the team stayed in the field until 2.30 a.m. without finding a clue of where the girl may be. An article April 16th, 54, in the Joplin, Glo- Joplin Globe expressed the feelings of the sheriff about the circumstances quote for a while the sheriff king expressed fear that the little girl might have been victim of foul play end quote 20 hours after joan vanished she was located by two searchers or she was located by a searcher two miles from her uncle's home in a cedar break she was wet and muddy but otherwise in good conditions bloodhounds had worked that trail since the prior day but did not find joan Joan did not make a statement that appeared in the news articles and nothing could be found on how she was, what she was found wearing or not wearing. So she was only two miles away, which is that still for a three-year-old's a little yeah, bit far, but not that one sounds the fact like, that she wasn't found. I mean, that's only two miles away and she wasn't found after well, the searches. The fact that they searched that area with bloodhounds and didn't find it. That one just sounds like foul play and so whoever picked her up, picked her up and just dropped her off when... They were getting close or something. I don't know. But glad she was found alive. Timothy Box went missing September 28, 1987 at 4 p.m. in Mountain View, Arkansas at the age of two. Mountain View, Arkansas is situated approximately 60 miles north of Little Rock in a heavily wooded rural environment. The actual location of this incident is two miles east of the city at the foot of Iron Mountain. Timothy was the son of Kenneth and Virginia Box. Both parents were deaf and could not speak. 
In June of 1986, his parents realized that Timothy was going to have a difficult time developing his speech, so they placed him with his grandparents outside of Mountain View. On September 28th at 4 p.m., Timothy was outside his grandparents' house playing with their two dogs and a cat. His grandparents went outside and saw the boy, went back inside for a few moments. They returned outside and found Timothy and the animals gone. Calls were made for the pet and Timothy, and there was no answer. The local fire department and law enforcement were called to ask to help search for the boy. Just as searchers arrived, the grandparents found the cat in the woods on a tree looking into the woods, as if it were waiting for the dogs and Timothy to come home. Helicopters, bloodhounds, equestrians, and 200 ground searchers were brought in during the three-day effort to find the boy. An article October 1st in the Courier News had the following description of the search efforts. Quotes, we had, a hun- we had hundreds of people walking through the entire area. We've seen absolutely nothing of the boy. Sheriff Dave Braun- Brahman- Bar- Barnum said, adding that the search easily covered four to five mile radius. Weather also hampered the search efforts to some degree. It rained during the time Timothy was missing. The rescue effort included 100 high school students, fire department, uh, U.S. forestry, law enforcement, and volunteers from the community. After three days, law enforcement and volunteers in the community started making statements about fall play and unusual circumstances. The statements were very vague, and they refused to clarify. On October 1st, searchers near the creek in a briar patch found Timothy alive. He was transported by helicopter to Children's Hospital of Arkansas, where Dr. Mike Hudson evaluated the boy. The physician and the searchers wanted to question Timothy about his excursion, but he didn't say anything. On October 3rd, an article in the Oscala Star Banner had a statement from the doctor. Quote, we don't know exactly what happened out there. That's why we wanted to observe him for a couple of days. End quote. The doctor stated he was surprised that Timmy, Timothy wasn't dehydrated and remarked on how good of a condition he was in. Timothy didn't have any exterior scratches over his body, and it appeared that he had been eating berries. There was never anything about the dogs or that the boy was wearing or not wearing. But on December 29, 1987, an article in the Yukaw Daily read, quote, his family says the boy who celebrated his third birthday, November 17th, is doing fine, but rarely talks about the adventure he went on in September, except to say he went around and around. He also won't go outside by himself. Yeah, by himself. He always wants me somewhere else or wants me or someone else to come with him. Timothy's grandfather, George Box, said. So this is one he traveled. I didn't say how far he traveled. But he was near a creek in Briar Patch and didn't have any scratches. And that was after three days. Yeah, that's pretty odd. I mean, it would make sense that maybe he was chasing after the dogs. But you think <laughs> after a little bit he would have... Yeah. And where are the dogs? Yeah. Because you would think if the, dog, if, he, if the dogs were with him, I mean, most dogs, I know, like my dog, wouldn't leave my side if that, yeah. unless she was going to get help. Yeah. Um. But I could see maybe if the dogs were there and he was following the dogs or whatever and he saw them drinking or eating the berries or something like that, then, then he would. Yeah. 
not not even thinking of being hungry or thirsty as he saw them doing it. And so he was imitating. Imitating, but still. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey Especially at two years pool. old. They it definitely, I mean, you watch them eat out of the dog bowl. At <laughs> yeah. <years old> <laughs> they watch the dog do it. Yeah. So I could see him doing you that. You know how if, often we had to get our kid out of the damn <laughs> dog bowl because of that? <laughs> <laughs> so I could see that. Yeah. And once again, I mean, I was happy he was he made it through that, but yeah, it's still. I'm just trying to picture. I mean, I don't remember myself at two years old, of course, but even like four or five. We lived in the country, and you never traveled. I wouldn't. Yeah. One, I wouldn't go out very far by myself in the first place. Like on my dad's land, like I didn't go without eyesight of the house. Yeah. Even if I was chasing something, so we went to the creek. But we, Dad always knew where we were going to the creek. And it would be multiple of us. Yeah. Like it wouldn't just be one person. Like I used to go walk around Dad's land all the time by myself, but I was in eyesight of his or one of our brother's houses or something. Yeah. So I knew where I was at. The farthest I made myself was up to the road on the to the mailbox. Yeah. By myself. <laughs> that was it. All right. This next case is my favorite. Um, this is Haley Zieg. Zega. Haley Zega. Uh, Haley Zega went missing April 29th, 2001 at 1130 from Newton County, Arkansas at the age of six years old. On April 29th, Haley Zega was with her grandparents, Jay and Joyce Hale. The group decided to travel to Upper Buffalo, to the Upper Buffalo Wilderness area, 30 miles southeast of Harrison. In this area, there can be no bicycles, no motor-driven vehicles of any kind inside the area. The region is very remote and wild. At approximately 11.30 a.m., Haley asked her grandparents if they could go hike a nearby waterfall. They said no, and she got very upset. The adults continued slowly to slowly walk down, to the, down the trail, and Haley fell, fell farther behind. After a short period of time, the grandparents lost sight of Haley, or of the girl, and turned to, back to find her. Jay and Joyce heard nothing and could not locate Haley. The pair turned back towards the parking lot to seek assistance. The Newton County Sheriff's responded, along with Park Service and Fire Departments, National Guard, and a slew of 200 volunteers. Helicopters with FLIR took to the sky, and volunteers were on horseback and mule. They were up to eight teams of, there were up to eight teams of bloodhounds attempting to track the girl. One team of dogs tracked a scent near a roadway and stopped. This action was interpreted by searchers to mean that Haley may have been picked up by a vehicle. At the end of a two full days of searching, nothing was found. At 51 hours after Haley vanished, Lytle, James, and William Villainous, not of the formal search group, were riding mules and looking for the girl. The pair was two miles from where Haley had last been seen when they observed her sitting next to a brook, her feet hanging in the water. Lytle said the girl appeared tired and groggy and had scratches on her face, legs, and arms, but appeared otherwise in good condition. She was brought back to the searchers and later transferred to the medical center for observation. After Haley recovered her strength, she was questioned about her journey. She told her parents the first night she slept on top of a bluff. 
This was puzzling because two helicopters with Fleer were hovering over that location and never saw her. The second night, she said she slept in a cave. She also stated that she had climbed a steep boulder-strewn hill and fell backwards into the water a few times. The girl explained that she had assistance along the way from another girl. Uh, Here is the partial transcript from the Datelight NBC interview with Rob Stradford. At the first moment I was lost, I met her, and after I was found, she went away. She was an imaginary friend who Haley says showed up just when she needed help the most. Her name was Alicia. She was four years old. What'd she look like? She had black hair and brown eyes. What did you talk about? We sang songs and told jokes. What else did Alicia do? She helped me get down the hill. A steep hill? How did she do that? She got in front of me and made sure I didn't fall. Stratford goes on to state that this may be a little girl's imagination, or was it something else? He says there's a strange twist to the story. It turns out 23 years prior to this event, a little girl disappeared in the same spot and was found dead. Stratford states that the girl was almost four years old, and her middle name was not Alicia, but Elena. Oh, that gave me chills. Yeah, me too. I, I got goosebumps oh. right now. How, like, like I said, this one was my favorite. I think yeah. this is the paranormal twist there. Like, yeah. Well, one that she's found safe, which is nice. But yeah, I was going to say, if there wasn't a reported of a little girl who lost her life, I was thinking, I was like, well, it's still Native American land. Yeah. And I was like, it could have been a young Native American child who died or something and spirit that was guiding her, keeping her safe. But then, yeah, you come up with the... Four-year-old little girl who went missing in that area. Very, very interesting twist in that story. Yeah. I wonder on some of these cases, I wonder if that's kind of the situations that happen, whether or not be a child or a spirit or something like that, but... Uh, Fay or elemental or something tricking the kid into going farther into the woods. Or I have an adult story coming up that's quite interesting, like that too. Because that the only thing that made me think of the twenty-two month old who made it through a bog is she wouldn't. I don't see well, definitely with water, wouldn't see a twenty-two month old one knowing how to swim. Or well, but think, if, think back if, to that story I told. About the JC, or, or was it JC? It was, um, I cannot remember his name right now, but the little four year old or five year old who said that the bear kept him yeah. warm at night. Oh, yeah. Like, I, as forest spirits are, yeah, I think at play a lot in some of these cases. Now, wasn't he only like 50 meters away from where he went yeah. missing? Yeah. Yeah. He just or was it 50 really... feet? 50 feet. Yeah. 50 feet. And that was after searching for. Three days, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next one. Justin Sides went missing in a- missing April 30th, 20 or 2003. That's <laughs> hard to say. 2003 at 345 p.m. in Wayne, Arkansas at the age of three years old. Wayne, Arkansas is approximately 80 miles northeast of Little Rock and 20 miles west of the Tennessee border. The city sits near the Village Creek State Park and hundreds of small bodies of water. On April 30th at approximately 3.45 p.m., 
Justin was playing in the yard of his family's rural home with his two dogs. The family stated that just uh, that Justin and the dog seemed to suddenly go missing, and the search started. Once they couldn't locate the group, the local sheriff was called. Hours after Justin's disappearance, the family dog returned to the residence without him. The search efforts quickly climbed to 200 professionals and volunteer searchers, multiple canine teams, and airplanes. There was a comment about the weather in the, uh, in the May 2nd, 2003 Blytheville Cur- Courier. Quote, the search Thursday was hampered by foul weather and severe thunderstorms pelted the area around noon. And much of the search was suspended for the time after the rain passed, searchers with dogs got back on the trail, end quote. Searchers also used words, the search dog, quote, the search dogs appeared confused in describing the efforts of the canines. On May 1st at 2.45 p.m., a single searcher was driving an ATV through the woods yelling the boy's name. He was approximately one and a half miles from Justin's residence when he saw him standing up. Here's the statement from the searcher and the same article quoted earlier quote he was just standing there like quote what am i doing here you could tell by the scratches on his legs that he'd been through a lot of brush but overall looked pretty good end quote dogs don't make the greatest of babysitters no they don't but it also was interesting that the search dogs appeared confused yeah almost like they could smell him but they couldn't track where he went you know what i mean yeah I don't know. I've watched a lot of stuff on search dogs here lately. And for a dog to not catch a scent, it seems very odd in cases like this where they know the starting point. Yeah. I mean, in that case, I mean, they have stuff of the child scent to lit them on. And and they can smell stuff days to weeks to months to years later. Yeah. Like yeah. dogs' noses are pretty amazing. Yeah, dogs smelling like... Uh Parts per billion. Yeah. Pretty much if you know what like touch DNA is where we leave behind like skin flakes and stuff everywhere we go, that's essentially what dogs are following. It's that scent. Yeah, there's the skin that we shed as we walk. and Our touch DNA pretty much. Now, Landon Trammell went missing September 11th, 2012 in Onia, Onia, Arkansas at 8 a.m. at the age of three years old. This case is close to the location where Timothy Box has appeared in Mountain View. This incident was just 12 miles south. Onia is a very rural community, and on September 11th, Landon was being watched by his grandfather. His grandfather thought the boy was asleep on the couch, but when he went to check on him, he discovered the boy was gone. Pilates states that he was starting to see a trend of children going missing from inside their home under conditions that surprised caregivers. And in fact, in the back of Missing Devil or Missing 411 Devils in the Details, there's a whole section dedicated to cases where the person went missing from their home. I'm seeing a lot of correlation to being with their grandparents as well. Mm-hmm. Stone County Sheriff called and they orchestr- was called and they orchestrated a major response from a variety of search organizations. Over 300 professional law enforcement and forestry service personnel responded. The first day of the search did not uncover any clues onto what may have happened to Landon. Bloodhounds couldn't pick up a scent, and law enforcement helicopters equipped with flare could not find a heat signature. 
Searchers on foot and equestrians found nothing to point out any dis- any direction. On the second day, the search had the U.S. forestry respond in for- full force. Um, forestry worker Bradley Taylor was about three miles from the Tremel residence when he found the boy playing in the mud on the edge of a or at the edge of a stock pond. Landon was found after spending 30 hours away from home and transported to Stone County Medical Center and found in good condition with a few cuts and bruises. So he was three miles away from the residence, was found 30 hours later. Linda Artige went missing September 22nd, 2012, west of St. Joe, Arkansas, at the age of 53 years old. St. Joe is located in north-central Arkansas and is a very rural area with thick woods. The small city is just over a mile from the Buffalo River National Park and five miles northeast of the Ozark National Forest. The area has hundreds of small bodies of water, and on September 22nd, Linda from Blackwell, Oklahoma, had made the trip to St. Joe to visit her brother, Eddie Huff. On this day, Linda and Eddie had walked into the local woods during the walk in the woods, the two became lost while looking for a fishing hole. They stayed, stayed together for three days and then somehow became separated. Linda's brother made it out of the woods and then reported her missing. Five days after Linda vanished, a searcher on an ATV found her two miles from the point where she was last seen. The searcher took Linda to the sheriff's headquarters in Searcy County, and Searcy County Sheriff had an ambulance take her to the hospital. What got this story into Pilatus' book was the fact that Linda reported very unusual things happening while she was lost. In an article in the KY3 Reporter, they reported, quote, she claims that she wasn't the only one out there. I would see people. I would ask for help, and they'd act like they didn't hear me, says Artige. It says She says she remembers them looking right at her and not saying a thing. These people were hiding in the bushes, they were weird people. Very weird, Artiche says. I suppose she could have had some toxic, toxic ingestion and may have caused hallucinations. In other words, but you know, she'd been very consistent in the story. And today in her mental examination, she was very oriented and appropriate in conversation, says Dr. John Sorg of North Arkansas Medical Center. End quote. On September 27th, in an article on newsok.com, had the following description of what Linda was wearing. Artige was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, and flip-flops when she started her hike. She quickly lost her flip-flops. To survive, she ate watercresses, nuts, and berries, and drank water from the creek. Linda isn't the only case of missing people, a missing person seeing other people while they're lost. There are many cases of people reporting being chased in the woods by a, quote, man, and where Linda went missing along the Apache Trail or Appalachia Trail, in his book Missing 411 Eastern United States, he tells a story of the National Park Ranger who spoke of, quote, wild men who lived around the park and lived off the grid. He went on to tell a specific uh, how one specific wild man attacked a ranger. So there's that scene people in the woods. Yeah. Fairy folk, fae, forest guardians. Yeah. Just watching spirits. Spirits. Who knows? Wild men, women and Yeah. I mean, I admit walking through woods even if I'm on a trail, you feel watched. Yeah. 
and it could see I could see it being more of a maybe not hallucination but a paranoia thing where she's feeling watched and she's lost and creeped panicking out and, and panicking and seeing these things but at the same time I always feel like there's Something elementals wa- animals or animals and all kinds or, of stuff watching you yeah, well I always feel like there there's there's nature spirits out there oh yeah and I feel like a lot of times when you're feeling watched and stuff and you don't see or hear anything around you, that's what it is. Yeah. I just think it's interesting because she's, like I said, there's only two adult cases in this one. Yeah. And one of them was found dead and she had a story to tell yeah. about what happened. And, of course, she found without shoes. Now, flip-flops, I have had flip-flops break on me. Why in yeah. the hell would you go into the woods on a hike with flip-flops on? Yeah, even if you're going to a fishing hole. like Yeah, no, nah, like... I've broken. I've lost flip flops walking on like trails to. I've broken like, walking, walking in the house. Yes, <laughs> I have lost flip flops walking to the pool and back. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that I mean that is really interesting. She even tried to talk to them and they just ignored her. Yeah. So they were very weird people. Yeah. I wish she would have described them a little bit. Yeah. Puckwedgie. Come here. Ooh, puck and I mean, if they are these wild men, I mean, I could see them trying to watch her from a distance. But if she's close enough to try to talk to him, yeah. I doubt they'd let her get that close. They'd probably yeah. try to run off or something. Oh, well, and know. they would at least say something. Like they might not understand what she's saying, or even try to attack her. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you yeah. think they would have made some kind of at least some kind of verbal something if they noticed they were saw, being seen, if they yeah. were spying on her or watching her from a distance. And she saw them and said something. You think they would have made some kind of verbal it makes noise and ran away, or kind of thinking about stories you've heard. I've heard from the um, suicide forest in Japan, where mm, yeah. you, when you're walking through it, you feel like people are watching you. You see people high, you know, like in the trees and all that stuff. And it's like, are these people? Are these spirits? Are these you know? Yeah. I mean, we're still talking native lands, so. Are these native spirits? Are the, you know, there could be all kinds of things. Yeah. Or is there a tribe of people living in the national forest that we don't know of? Probably. There's m- millions of homeless people. Oh, yeah. And we got them living in Sutton Wilderness. So. I say we got them living in this patch of trees over here at the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> people people got to go somewhere. So it's interesting. So now I've looked at. But now that we've looked at these 13 cases, what are your thoughts? Did you specifically pick 13? Nope. That just happened to be how many there were in this. Oh. In, this in my three books, there were 13 cases. Well, in this area. Yeah, in this, in this specific <laughs> area. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of them, I think, can be explained with rational events, although some are harder to fathom, but could still make sense. Others seem to have something very strange about them. Also notice how many of these were children. It makes me think twice before we plan vacations. That's for sure. Well, Although after reading that there's a large number of cases that vanish from inside the home, it makes me want to put cameras in both my children's <laughs> rooms and all over the house. And I might become a helicopter mom. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, as long as you keep your kids within eye, dis- like within I'm g- visual I'm distance. I'm going to have leashes on my son. If I ever go to a national park. Yeah. Heck, even if I go to the mall again, I'll have to put him on a leash. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, from the time I was like five, I would get up, 
it'd be like summertime or weekends, whatever. I'd get up, I'd leave the house, and I wouldn't even come back till it was like dinner time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, growing up, I never came back inside. Like yeah. we would leave in the morning, we'd go play, we'd ride our bike coming down the street. We'd have to check in like at start like every couple of hours. But we just had to check in at one of our parents' houses. It didn't have to be like all of our parents' houses. Yeah. And we were out in the woods, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Especially out um on out in the country. Yeah. Now the thing is, is in most of these cases that somebody was found. There yeah. are quite a few cases that we haven't even gotten into where people have never been found. I think the ones where they are found, especially when they're found alive, it gives a lot more information into the cases. Um, but, but but sometimes there's just more questions than there are yeah. answers. Yeah. The last one with lady or people staring yeah. at her through the bushes, yeah. or the little girl who has had the four year old friend who to help helped her. helped her and. Yeah, after the the one with the four year old friend, I was like, man, I wish there was like some adults that came back that saw something like that that might be able to clear something up. And then, oh, and yeah. then I gave it to you. Yeah. And then, yeah, but it then didn't clear. It didn't <laughs> clear much up. <laughs> it was still just as peculiar. Um, and as I go through this book and we go through more cases, we might find more. Yeah, like I said I've just gone through the three books that I have, and who knows what kind of connections we can draw. Yeah. And. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about this case is it's going to give us a chance to look at all of these or always most of these because I'm sure when I get to other states like Washington State, Washington State has so many. Yeah, big mm-hmm. forests. Washington there's... State very well could be a three or four part episode on its <laughs> own. Like yeah. there are certain areas that there's just a ton, um, but we'll definitely get to these areas. Now, if you are in an area and you want me to look into the missing persons and the missing 411s in your area, you can always send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at umpnormalcy at gmail.com. And I would be happy to look into those areas and move those up in the list of series, of the series. Yeah, if I know I have listeners who are like, I'm really interested in finding out what's in their area. That'll get those areas bumped up towards well, the top. I know a lot of the people who are into the paranormal are into... Missing True children. crime and missing people that cases and stuff. Well, I know we already got somebody who's interested in Washington State. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that was just talking to him yesterday, uh, in a Discord channel. Yeah. Uh, they're interested in that, so definitely have to dig into Washington State. Like I said, though, it may be a multi-parter be on its own. One, yeah. That might be like each book gets its own episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's where uh, DB Cooper disappeared. Yeah. Yep. And what's really cool about these books. Each one's a little different. Like he changes the way he does it as he goes, like each book. But in the back of the book, it lists like updates. If there's been oh, updates yeah. on previous books, stories like that. Like there was one in Arkansas that they did find the body. Eventually, that in the first book he was in, he wasn't in there. But I don't have the first book that he was in, so I didn't include that story in this one. Um, but there was an update on it. Um, then it lists every. It lists like the breakdown missing by decades. It breaks it down by person, location. It breaks it. Oh, it so there's a lot of correspondence charts. Age and, and distance male and travel. Like, like in this book on Devil in the Details for a two year old, 69 males and 34 females. Oh, wow. And then, like, four months, one male, zero females. And that's just in that book. Yeah, so that's just this book. 
And not all the books have that information in there. Um, it's got links of here's appearances in elevations here. Same day, a seven-year-old, uh, thirty thousand or thirty-five hundred feet up the mountainside. That's, uh, yeah, all kinds of cool information. The way he has it break, broken down in these books. Um, now he says like the most common areas. That people go there's countries, the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand are the top five. He said, but Russia could easily pass that, but it's much harder to get the missing person information from Russia. Yeah. Um. That's just that book, Chad. I know <laughs> the highlighted ones are the ones I've covered. <laughs> yeah, and um, he said Germany is quickly climbing the list. But he's just now started kind of expanding outside of North America. Yeah. In his books. And I'm, I mean, like I said, there's 10 books now. I'm sure there's going to be tons more. And he, <coughs> he is starting to break it into like hiker, <laughs> like hikers and hunters and breaking it down that way. People who are used to the forest, mm-hmm. you know, but it's very intriguing. And it like, I think the fact that it's national parks and that they call off these searches so quickly, you know, so suddenly. Sometimes they don't even search for more than like a day or two. Yeah. I just found this interesting. It's missing aircraft. It's in the back of the devils, devils in the details. A reader in Finland sent us an interesting correlation between missing airplanes and the Bermuda Triangle and missing people we have documented in the missing 411 books. According to the website www.bermuda-triangle.org, 129 <coughs> aircraft have disappeared December 5th through 1945 through December 15th of 2008. What is fascinating is that four people documented our books vanished on the same day as four of the aircraft. Interesting. And it's got a list of them. On the back of that book, it has the map. <coughs> Of the clusters, and if you notice through the Central America, Central Central North America, there, like the plains and stuff, there's very little. Yeah, it's all mountainous. It's all mountains and forested regions, forested regions, which kind of fills that Bigfoot theory. Also, kind of fills in with those ultra terrestrials, which we will do an episode on ultra terrestrials eventually. Um. It's very interesting. I recommend going onto Hulu and watching the missing 411 documentaries that are on there, though. Yeah. I started watching one of them when I got these books for you, but I never finished it. I think I started watching one of them, but our son was really young, and it was really hard for me to watch things like that when he was little. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's still little, but when he was, you know, one, two. It's kind of like watch Pet Cemetery when he was about a year old, and then as soon as the little boy gets hit by the truck, I had to pick him up and just hold him because I was like freaking out. <laughs> right. I'm still on this missing airlines thing. <laughs> to, is it a coincidence or is it is it just that so many people go missing on a daily basis that it some of ties them are in correlate. With missing airplanes? Or is there some time as, or is it like a, a realm shift that's going yeah. on and. 
people are getting moved into whether you want to go the glitch in the matrix style and go into moving timelines almost. There's lots of cases where the person can't even tell you what happened while they were gone. Some of them don't even realize they'd been missing. Yeah. Like some of them, it hadn't even been like a day yet. And they'd been missing for a week. Like time loss phenomena. So. Oh, there could be this a whole bunch of exciting. things mixed I'm in there. So I'm I'm excited to excited to dig into the next areas. Um, like I said, I've been obsessed with the missing four one one for a long time. I watched there's a Mufon video on YouTube where he's speaking where David Politis is speaking to the Mufon, and he's talking about a bunch of these cases on it, and it's really interesting to listen to. Well, thank you for putting this together. Yes. I look forward to doing much more. And like I said, if you're in a region that you want me to cover your area, send me an email, a message on Instagram or Facebook, and I'll definitely put you towards the top of the list. Because like I said, if I if if you guys request it, I'm going to do it. Because I'm doing this for you. And for me, but for <laughs> you too. <laughs> um, go ahead and join our Facebook group, our Facebook page. Instagram, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at UMP Normalcy. We've got our Discord. Join our Discord. We can sit and talk about it. Like Dave was on another podcast Discord the other last night when he was talking to somebody about our podcast. We have fans on other Discord podcast or other podcasts too. Um, I like when we have fans. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've been really trying to branch out with my networking and talking with people and things like that. Really paying off. I love to just hear from the listeners. Like I yeah. like just just to get their input on mm-hmm. cases they want us to cover, things they want us to cover. I love when the listener says, "Hey, look into this," because you know we know a lot about our areas. Yeah, and you know there's there's famous cases of everything that you can find stuff on, but when there's like especially like that um, hotel in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. I never would have. I and probably would have eventually stumbled upon it. The Minmin lights, in yeah. Australia. I would have never oh, yeah. thought to really look into those. Yeah, like all that stuff that we, you guys, come up with for us. I'm always interested in doing it because I like to learn things. Yeah, especially paranormal things because paranormal is awesome. <laughs> um, check out our Facebook. Or, or sorry, I said that. Check out our website, umpnormalcy.com. We've got awesome merchandise. You can get your wear cow shirts. You can get your uh, Uncle Homo Octopus shirts. You can get your UMP normalcy gear. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, I don't even couldn't even tell you. There's notebooks. <laughs> there's blankets. Pretty there's much. If you shower think about curtains, it, you can get like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of want a wear cow apron. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm going like. For grilling out in the barbecue, you know, you know, oh. the <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, oh, we need like a where cow spatula set for the barbecue grill. <laughs> that's what I need. I got to find some place that's going to make that for me. Um, also, don't forget about Paranormal Monthly. And uh, is it Parabox? Parabox Monthly. Don't forget about Parabox Monthly, where you can get your awesome paranormal T-shirt sent to you each month. Just nineteen ninety five. Use the description in this episode or the link in the description in this episode and promo code paranormalcy at checkout and you get ten percent off your first order. And I think that'll cover it. Anybody have anything else before I close out? Go listen to all of our 
our brother and sister podcasts out there. We got Lux Occult, Smuts Up, Fool's Guide to the Occult, Faith Blind Council, Grognostics. Ad Hoc History. Ad Hoc History. Go check them all out. P-I-O-T Paranormal. Yes. Check out our, check them out. We It's a pretty tight group of people. Dave talks to most of them <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, By the time this episode's out, the presidential grognostics that I'm on should finally be out. Uh, should hopefully be out before this episode comes out. But I yeah. said that. <laughs> Multiple episodes ago. You said that like five episodes yeah. ago. And I still <laughs> check it daily. Um, <laughs> I have a confirmation. It should be out by the time this episode airs. And I'm kind of nervous. Because <laughs> I was very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it. And until next time. Keep digging.